the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K Show. It is Taco Tuesday. Yes, it is. And I have not had a, let, let the record show I have not had a taco yet. So it could be surprising that I'm in a great mood, but I'm just in a mood. I got to tell y'all, I am in a mood, so beware. <laughs> Glad to have y'all with me tonight on this Taco Tuesday. And I've gotten some interesting emails from you guys of the past few days. So keep those emails coming, andreakshow.com, andreakshow.com. I'll try to leave a little time for uh, to read some of those out throughout the show. I just love connecting with you guys and appreciate you so much, whether you're listening in your car, on the apps, how all the cool kids listen. Uh, I also want to hear from you directly. Follow me on the socials, comment there, email me at andreakasio.com, call our 24-hour hotline, 844-814-5227. If you miss any, any show, you definitely want to listen to the podcast because we like to take things sometimes in a little different direction than a lot of the other media does because we're just that kooky. We're just that weird and just that crazy. That's that's how we roll here on the Andrea K Show. If you are new here, I am Dynamite in a Dress, busting through the hype, the hyperbole, and the hypocrisy every night of the week here from 6 to 8 p.m. And, of course, that includes both parties. I am an equal opportunity criticizer, so nobody... Nobody is spared. Um, they are spared from my elbows because I don't typically go going around jabbing my sharp elbows, at least not literally into people's kidneys. Yes, we've got elbow gate. We've got to talk about tonight. We got if that if this story is just not the perfect, I don't know, is it metaphor symbol? analogy, I, I think metaphor of what's happening in the Republican Party. I don't know what is. And of course, we have breaking news from a policy standpoint with the Republicans tonight. Before we go any further, I got to bring in this man. His elbows are uh, a little sharp, but in the figurative sense. And of course, because, you know, he likes to make it easy going down. There's nothing sharp necessarily about Broccolini. Of course, I'm talking about the one, the only DJ Sesame Broccolini. I love me some Sesame Broccolini. This guy, fiery like a dragon, like a dungeon dragon, high heat. Sesame Broccolini. Taco Tuesday. It's a throwback Tuesday also. I just want to remind you of something because Mm -hmm. there was one time where you said that you may have to fly out to Washington, D.C., to help people in the GOP figure it out. I just want to revisit Mm -hmm. that idea because I think it's still a good one. 
Well, yeah, um, depending on, you know, what airline you fly, because they're not all friendly to us conservatives. Uh, but, yeah, we might all need to, we might all need to, do, should we take the AK crew out to D.C.? <laughs> I don't know why I'm suddenly hearing car commercials in my ear. That um, must be, you know, it is literally, we're going to talk a little bit about surveillance, social media surveillance later, because it's literally gotten cuckoo cuckoo of what's happening um we gotta do something because i'm about ready to jab an elbow into somebody's back because you know i I, i'm tired of the roller coaster sesame broccolini i'm tired of feeling hopeful to only have my teeth kicked in i talked last night about the theme of last night's show i love a good theme um not the theme of people are supposed to be uh looking out for me representing my best interest um betraying me okay um, and if you're going to betray me, you need to at least step like dudes do when they betray a woman. You need to at least Kobe Bryant the situation with some decent jewelry or something on the other side. OK, what are we getting from the Republican Party that's betraying us right now? We, what are we getting? Here's the latest betrayal. We talked last night about we've got a few to get into again tonight because unfortunately we have to piggyback on what happened last night. We're going to talk about the mayor mayorcas vote. We've got a, we've got, um, uh, I don't want to say a conclusion. We've got an update on the Speaker Johnson betrayal of his, remember his little two-step plan, uh, and not a two-step like in the cute country, Western urban cowboy two-step variety. No, we're talking about pretending that he's doing something, uh, to deal with the spending issue. And instead of an omnibus going before Christmas, he decided he was going to do something fancy and split it up and basically just kicking it down the road. He was going to f- continue to fund some of the government through January, some through February. There is absolutely nothing different here than the big omnibus plan. Some people are saying, oh, it's clean. No, it's dirty. This is dirty, Sesame Broccolini, because what this man is doing is continuing to keep the government open. Same old, same old. There's nothing new here. He's kicking the can down the road to avoid a government shutdown. He's giving the Democrats the spending that they want. That's how this bill got passed so quickly. How am I wrong here? (laughs) I don't think that you are. Um, And I just don't understand the thinking here either, because... We all know eventually we're going to have to have some kind of reckoning, right? I mean, we all, we can we all agree on the basic reality that there is no such thing as a free lunch and that money doesn't grow on trees, which means eventually we're going to have to go through something. I'm going to guess it's, you, could call, you could call it a shutdown, call it whatever you want. This bureaucracy is just so big and so ineffective and so wasteful. It, we can't afford it. Um, and honestly, I don't think a shutdown is a bad idea. I don't know. It's Personally, a great idea. I think honestly, it would be. It's it's sort of a. I mean, it's a natural. It's inevitable, in my opinion. But I don't think it would be a bad thing. And I actually think no. there could be a lot of growth through that because it's the only way these politicians are going to learn. They have to feel the pain of the policies that they push. And for and too so long, do, yeah. yeah, they just this free ride, the gravy train, leaning on the taxpayer. The taxpayer is overworked, overspent, overtired. We, we, we're at our wits end. So we need right. some kind of reckoning. The, the levy's bound to break, right? I mean, well, yeah, it is going to break. And, you know, and, and you know who else needs to feel a little pain? Federal government workers. 
I know this because my mother worked for the federal government and I it, I don't even remember. There was countless times where she told me, oh, I'm going to be furloughed. I'm going to be home during the day for, for a little while. She knew she was going to end up getting paid. We never missed a meal, never missed a, a, you know, a rent or a mortgage payment, depending on where we were living at the time. The, this, the, the Republican Party uses the threat of a government shutdown as an excuse to continue to fund the Democrats and their agenda because they're all in on it. And I'm I'm hearing excuses today. Tom DeBacar is going to be, be here a little bit later, and maybe he is. He is a historian and a brilliant political pundit who understands how all of this works. And maybe he's going to come on later and tell me that you can't fix everything overnight and that there really wasn't any choice. I don't agree with that, but maybe he can convince me. Many people today are saying that we need to give this man some grace, give him some time. And that, you know, he just couldn't get it all done in the short run. Um, Why not? Why not let it go to a shutdown and use the power? The Republicans always let Democrats control everything, whether or not they're in power. And that that tells me that the Republican Party is in on it. and And they want to be the party of the minority because anytime they're in the majority, they still let the Democrats rule. And then they, you know, and, um, and I think this is more of the same. Here's where I'm going to, here's the, instead of giving him grace, he, I'm now going to assume that he's like all the rest of them and he has an opportunity to prove me wrong. That's where I'm going to stand at it because I have no reason to give him the benefit of the doubt, particularly since he said on camera, when asked about continuing to support funding for Ukraine, he said, we all do. No, we don't. No, we don't. And there is power and these these federal, you know, and none of them should be continuing to collect a paycheck at this point. Donald Trump was president for four years, never took a paycheck until that budget is balanced and spending is cut. Not one of these Republicans should be collecting a check. Every one of them has side hustles that they've gotten that makes them millions, including Mike Johnson, that they got from from being an elected official. They all have other incomes that they can live off of. Instead, they live off the taxpayers. And quite frankly, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I don't care who they are. I don't care who who they are. Uh, uh, I was thinking earlier today, the Dr. Phil said, and many people, many uh, women got angry at him for saying this because he said, if you are in an abusive relationship, you're staying by choice because you're somehow benefiting from being in that relationship. Oh, you know, whoa. How could nobody chooses to stay in an abusive relationship? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Because most, and of course there's always outliers, but most women, and I understand why they stay, don't get me wrong, but there is a benefit to them staying, whether it is and typically the benefit. And of course, I'm not talking about extreme circumstances, but in general, typically the benefit is security, some form of security in which they get to stay. Or maybe they get to maybe they're broken inside and it feeds their need to take care of somebody. But there is a benefit. We no longer, we are in an abusive relationship with the Republican Party and we no longer have any, there's no benefit in it. And women typically leave an abusive relationship when the fear of leaving is less than the pain of staying. That's the, that's the, that's the, the line that typically motivates a woman to leave, including assuming the risk of leaving. And that's where I'm at with the Republican Party. And I've got great friends in the Republican Party some in positions of leadership, but I'm done with the Republican Party at this point. What am I getting out of it? 
They, they, I've said years ago, it's time for them to petition for why they take us for granted because the, the idea is that it's worse on the other side, right? It's worse leaving. How's it any worse? The Democrats are in complete control. What would be different? Email me, andreacasio.com. I'm open. Tom DeBacar will be here at the bottom of the hour. Maybe he can convince me to stay. In the meantime, uh, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk elbow gate. I'm ready to I'm ready to sharpen my elbows. But this story coming up is a little too metaphorical for me and the Republican Party. We're going to talk about that. When we come back. Don't go away. AK dynamite in a dress or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her. She's on the answer. San Diego. <laughs> I'm so glad for this story. I'm so glad for Elbowgate. <laughs> because as frustrated as I am with the Republican Party right now, at least they've given me laughs from James Comer calling somebody today a smurf. <laughs> I guess uh, because the Democrat was, I guess, questioning James Comer and his business relationship with his family as though that's the same thing as Joe Biden selling off the country, right, for to line his family's pockets. Uh, but Elbowgate is so delicious. It's so yummy because it is completely representative of everything with the Republican Party. I, I, I'm not, I can't play the entire story for you, but I want to play a little bit of Representative Tim Burchett. And remember the Burchett, along with Andy Biggs, Lauren Bo, no, was, was it Bobert and eight Republicans uh, ousted Kevin McCarthy, right? And Burchett was one of them. And talk about deciding to make a good move, right? And uh, that you're not getting anything out of a situation, so you might as well make a move. Uh, that was that was these abused Republicans within the Freedom Caucus and within conference, right? So they decided to oust McCarthy. So Tim Burchett is in the in a hallway yesterday giving an interview to a reporter from um, uh, NPR, right? Of all of all people. So when he feel when he feels a, a, a jab into his back, Sesame Broccolini, if you can play uh, him telling this story uh, to a CNN reporter. McCarthy. Well, I was doing an interview um, with um, Claudia from NPR, uh, a lovely lady, and when she was asking me a question, and and at that time I uh, got elbowed in the back. And it kind of caught me off guard because it was a clean shot to the kidneys. And I turned back, and there was there was Kevin. And um, and I, I, for a minute, I was kind of, what the heck just happened? And then I, um, you know, I, I chased after him. Of course, he's a, as I've stated many times, he's a he's a bully with seventeen million dollars in a security detail. You know, he's the type of guy that when you're a kid would throw a rock over the fence and run home and hide behind his mama's skirt. And he just, you know, he he. Uh, from behind that kind of stuff it you know that's not the way we handle things in east tennessee we, we if we have a problem with somebody i'm gonna look them in the eye and, and talk to him. okay so he walked down the hallway hit you in his elbow with his elbow yeah you, and you then, can you can go on claudia's twitter account it it, it pretty much um her ex account it, right. it, it's it's very accurate but, okay so then just explain so you chased him what do you mean you chased well, him? i just ran after him i was like what the heck you know why'd you do that you know because it was a uh, 
like I said, it, if you've ever been hitting the kidneys, it's a little little different. You don't have to hit very hard to cause a little bit of pain, a lot of pain. And and so I, and he just, of course, um, as he always did, does, he just uh, denies it or uh, blames somebody else or something, you know. And it was just a little heated, but I just backed off because there wasn't any, I saw no reason. I wasn't gaining anything from it. And everybody saw it, so it didn't really matter. Like he responded to <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he just acted like, you know, what are you talking about? You know, who are you? Uh -huh. to, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. And it's just, you know, I think that's... that's weaken it, we, weaken in that there, Sesame oh. Broccolini. Um, yeah, because we actually have Kevin McCarthy's side of the story of uh, of this. Uh, but <laughs> there's so much that I love about that. <laughs> First of all, in the case of, before I play for y'all, the, uh, Kevin McCarthy's answer. First of all, you know he's telling the truth here because he's not, the way he's telling the story is so chill. It's so relaxed. It's just, look, look th this is what went down. And this ain't how we do things in Tennessee. And this dude I'm dealing with is just the schmuck. He's the schmuck with a lot of money and a security detail who would throw a rock over the fence and hide behind his mama's skirt. I mean, is the, it, it, you can just tell from the way he's telling the story that this is exactly what happened, even without the cooperation of an eyewitness. Right, Sesame Broccolini? Yeah, I, I actually think it's just quite funny how unamused he is. He's It's like for him dealing with a toddler or something, you know, he's like, yes, there, there, there's stuff everywhere and shouting and he ran off like a coward. But, yeah, you know whatever it's like just the, yeah, the yeah. cold like analytical it's like a police report you know just run down matter yeah. of fact <laughs> and yes, of course you know, you know Kevin, yeah yeah it's just real man a real man's man I, I i respect it a lot right and i relate to it as a southerner because you know if i if i had first got pushed and thought whoa what was that and then realized somebody had elbowed me, elbowed me in the back we'd come face to face and we would have we'd, we'd have words okay we'd have words because i would never ever let somebody attack me like that and just walk away like it didn't happen. It's kind of like one of my favorite scenes in the movie Working Girl, where she says, uh, Tess says to uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, she says, look, you know, you may have these other dudes fooled and think you're, you know, this sweet girl or whatever. Don't you ever look at me in the eye and pretend like we don't, we both don't know what happens here, right? Okay, that's what, that's what Burchett was saying there. I want to play now. Uh, Kevin McCarthy's uh, his his story, Sesame Broccolini. I don't know if you've heard this. I'm curious to see if this is going to sway you and change your mind on what happened here. Not elbow. I would not hit him in a kidney. HC5, you're all down there, right? Not a very big hallway. So I'm walking out. You could talk to Bruce Westman because I actually called him after you guys reported something. I said, did I hit somebody? Bruce Westman and I were walking out. And I guess a reporter was interviewing Burchard or something. I guess our shoulders hit because Burchard runs up to me after. I didn't know what he was talking about. Some reporters asked me. I did not run and hit the guy. I did not kidney punch him. I did not shoot anything like that. You didn't shove him. No. I, we're walking through. You, you were at HC5, right? You guys line up along the way there. It was Bruce Wester and I walking out. He must have been interviewing someone. I didn't know it was him or something. I guess our elbows hit as I walked by. Mm, nope. What jumps out at you in that? Because I got a few things that are quite the tell that he's lying. Uh, my first big thing is just it doesn't make sense. He accidentally hits this guy's shoulder with his shoulder or something while he's walking with someone else. And then all of a sudden, Burchett feels a punch or an elbow in his kidney. 
I just don't buy that he was just magically walking out of a hallway and like two atoms randomly colliding into each other, like two electrons. Right. He just, oh, whoops, shoulder to shoulder. I just, it, I don't buy that. Um, well, right. Well, first of all, if you hit somebody with your shoulder, you realize that you've knocked shoulders. Yeah. So in that moment, what you would say is, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. That's what you would say. You don't just keep walking. He acts like he, you know, you, you, if, if he's, what he's saying is true that they hit shoulders, uh, then why would he act like, oh, did something you know when that happens so don't be acting like oh i had no idea then he switches it later and says our elbows hit he changes it from shoulder hitting to elbows hitting and the entire time he's like you got you know that hallway you know that hallway he's trying to get agreement from the people that he's telling the story to that's a really narrow hallway everybody's just bumping into each other all over the place it's like bumper cars right y'all been in that hallway you've never been able to walk down that hallway without uh, jabbing somebody in the back with an elbow right i mean it's totally totally a lie and you know uh, and, and it is so metaphorical as much as this just pleases me to no end that kevin mccarthy in fact, at one point, um, uh, at the end of Burchett, when he's asked about it, uh, he's asked about Kevin McCarthy's, we couldn't play all the interview, there wasn't enough time, but he's asked about Kevin McCarthy's story. And he says something about, you know, he can add this to the rest of his illustrious career as speaker. <laughs> um, I mean, Kevin McCarthy is just, he continues to prove why he needed to go. Why he needed to go. Because you know if you've bumped into somebody in the hallway. He did this on purpose. If it had been an accident, he would have realized it in that moment. He hit him so hard that Burchett lurched forward. You know when you've 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 encountered somebody physically to that extent. Quite frankly, Burchett was asked. Uh, he says, oh, it leaves it there. He was asked if he's going to file charges. And he said, oh, no, it, it you know, I'm not it. I'm not, you know, planning on doing anything. It leaves here. Um, but I guarantee you, if anybody had elbowed McCarthy, would he not already have called the popo? Oh, he would be the first one to cry and complain and, you know, say something about decorum or ethics or the code of conduct yeah. um, or your oh, oath yeah. to your fellow, your fellow congressman, um, yeah. which is just such and he a would warm have done use. It, it, yeah, right. and he's he just such a snake. would have done it from the floor. Right. He would have done it from the floor wearing a neck brace and a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor's notes pouring out of his pockets. This guy really hurt me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how they do things in Bakersfield, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk to Tom DeBacaro about all this foolishness and get his take. Maybe he can make me feel better about where this is going. But you know what? At least we have Elbowgate to giggle about. <laughs> Stay tuned. More Andrew K. Show coming up. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay show. It is Taco Tuesday. And when I think crunchy tacos with a meaty, beefy filling, I think Tom DeBacaro, don't you? <laughs> no, y'all don't. Y'all know if you know Tom DeBacaro, you know he's into the elegant Italian 
cuisine. Um, pleased to have him join me tonight. I reached out to him because I just need him to give me some perspective to help me understand what is going on with the Republican Party and maybe maybe help me feel a little bit better uh, with what's happening. Tom DePicaro, of course, is the famed attorney former political candidate who destroyed Kamala Harris in a debate, author of books like The Divided Era, and writer who you see his stuff everywhere, and he joins me now. Hey, Tom Debacaro, welcome back, my dear friend. Hey, great to be on, and uh, hopefully I can provide you perspective. Which direction we're going first? Well, okay, first of all, let's talk about the fact that eight Republicans last night voted to kill the impeachment of Mayorkas, including San Diego. We're a border town here. San Diego Congressman Daryl Issa voted to keep Mayorkas in office. Help me understand this, Tom DeBacaro. Well, I reached out to Congressman McClintock's office to get an understanding of where he was coming from. Uh, And I can tell you that he... The statement or the comments he released were that the uh, impeachment portion of the Constitution does does not apply to political differences and that he felt the Democrats for the last two times against Trump uh, impeached him over political differences. And he did not want that to be the common practice. That's, that's the dumbest. That's, I got to interfere. That's is that not the dumbest thing you've ever heard? Just because the Democrats did it twice for the wrong reasons doesn't mean that you don't do it for the right reasons. Okay, so the, and there's the, that's the discussion is uh, did he did Mayorkas commit uh, high crimes and misdemeanors? Now you can certainly make the argument that he has been providing false testimony in front of Congress on a repeated basis, and that he hasn't. Uh, uh, enforce the law, but yeah. apparently the eight do not believe that that rises hard and high enough, and they don't want wow. impeachment to be a regular event in American political uh, uh, history. And so that's that that those are at least the reasons why it didn't mm-hmm. occur. I ha- I haven't reached out and talked to Daryl Issa about it. But that's that's pretty much where where it's at. And I don't think um, I don't think this is going to come back because obviously the Democrats aren't going to go along with it. And I don't think these eight are really going to change their mind unless something very significant related to my happens. Yeah, no, what we need to do is change uh, out who's sitting in those seats, including Daryl Issa, who, quite frankly, has been dead to me for a long time and why I don't have him on my show. Uh, I I was joking before the break. I'm sure you've heard about Elbowgate, Tom DeBacaro. I think that and I absolutely believe that McCarthy elbowed Burchett in the hallway. And I just think it's so metaphorical as for what's going on in the Republican Party. Your thoughts? There is no consensus in the Republican Party on on what to do. And I uh, have an op-ed coming out. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I already had the op-ed come out about how if Republicans want to govern, they need to learn to govern with very narrow majorities. Because quite frankly, uh, in this divided era, the since 94, the highest amount of Republicans in the Congress has been 230. 
uh, or the average is 230. And it's going to and it's but lately, if you look at the last two House numbers, the Democrats had 222 House flipped. The Republicans had 222. So you're going to have these narrow majorities and it's going to take a good leader, a strong leader to come up with a program to uh, 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 on spending, which I know you want to talk about, and on these other issues, and it just doesn't exist right now. That uh, there is nobody with a, a an agenda that they're selling to the whole conference or to the country, and they need to sell these things with the country. I know you read Chapter Ten in my book of the Divided Era, the importance of that process of going out and creating consensus, and that just hasn't happened yet. Well, look, there is no greater issue that is uh, that 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 um, unifies Republicans, Democrats and independents than that border. It's one of the key reasons why Trump won in 2016. It's one of the key reasons in 2014 that Republicans, Democrats and independents gave uh, the Senate after giving the House uh, to Republicans in 2010. What are we doing in the car, Tom DeBacaro? Are you munching on are you munching on some tacos? Are you at the drive through? I just got out of the car, but oh, okay. it is. I didn't and know if you were to drive through. If you remember in my debates with uh, with Kamala, I made yes. the issue of the national security and crime angle on the border, not just those crossing, but the dangers that that represent. I made that a big part of my campaign. Yeah, and, I remember. And, and but and for but for the this Republic- stupid jungle primary, you'd been senator. Uh, Well, I don't know about that, but what I do know is that the Republicans continue to, in my mind, you have to go out and create this national consensus on a particular solution. And the Republicans haven't done that on spending, even though it's hitting them over the head as to why this should occur or hitting the whole country over the head as to why this should occur. They haven't done it on spending. And stunningly they haven't done it on the border people aren't out there saying oh okay here's the three-step plan that's what you do you you sell Mm -hmm. things in three-step plans and you get them done hasn't happened well what do you think about the two-step right well what do you think about the two-step plan uh which to me looks like a you know a two-step dance to try to act like he's done something different and something new but uh, Speaker Johnson's two-step continuing resolution plan. Okay. Uh, again, no Republican consensus. Despite the passage of, that, I don't know how many days, uh, two months, the, the reality is that the Republicans have not come together uh, in their slim majority of 221, I think it is now, or 222. The reality is that they haven't come together and said as a group, Okay, here's what here's a plan that we're all going to get behind. And I get that. I mean, you have moderate Republicans and establishment of Republicans in the Congress who aren't willing to do that right now. Then you also have the conservatives who say, if you don't stop this increase in spending inflation with us for as far as the eye can see, also true. So they haven't gotten that consensus yet. And until they do, we're going to have this argument. So what what Johnson said, real quick, let let me finish real quick. So what Johnson said is, I am not going to go into December and Christmas where you always lose 
politically. So I'm going to have this fight right after Christmas, or at least that's what he's that's internally what's going on. God, well, you know what? <laughs> Instead of giving him the benefit of the doubt, I've decided to assume he's like all the other, you know, rhinos and crap weasels. And he's got a great opportunity to prove me wrong. A fellow LSU grad, you know, he, he's got an opportunity to prove me wrong here. And um, we'll, so we'll see, because quite frankly, the Democrats always push through the most extreme part of the party and they trample over any of these so-called moderates within their own party. The Republicans always allow the far left Democrats within the Republican Party and the Democrat Party themselves push through well, their agenda so right over conservatism. We're, wrap us up. We're Ten seconds. We're out of time. Socialists are always more organized. Those who fight for freedom are not. Good. I'm um, sad to leave it on that note, but it's so true. Little slice of wisdom from Tom DeBocaro. Thank you for being here, my friend. All right. Take care. All right. We're going to take a little trip to D.C. when we come back because there was a pro-Israel rally today that really moved my heart. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. I'm going to quickly read an email here. You can always email me. In fact, I appreciate it. Email me at andreakayshow.com, andreakayshow.com. Don't forget our podcast. Download it wherever you get your podcast. Before the break, we were talking to Tom DeBocaro. had some really good points to make about the Republican Party. Um, we're going to talk in a moment about the pro-Israel rally that took place today, which was really incredibly moving. Speaking of that, I got this email today uh, from a listener who says, Serpent face piece of excrement Schumer. Reading his speech at Israel Gathering said, quote, when I learned of January 7th, there you go. Happy Tuesday, she said. Um, okay. Um, I, I haven't had a chance to look into this. I just saw the email. Did Chuck Schumer really go to a pro-Israel rally and refer to the Hamas attack as happening on January 7th? Sesame Broccolini, are you aware of this? I'm not, but Chuck Schumer continues to cause me pains and headaches. Um, and if the almighty smiter or to ever allow me to smite <laughs> one single person. Um, Chuck Schumer's on the list right next to yes. Hillary Clinton. It's a tough, yes. it's kind of like a Sophie's choice at that point. Yeah. Um, flip a coin, I guess. But yeah, Chuck Schumer is uh, a thorn in my side. Yeah. And the, the uh, gosh, what, what, what an embarrassing politician. <laughs> well, totally embarrassing. And you know what? And you know, I don't I can't know what's inside anybody's heart and mind. Yeah, I can right. only look at their actions. Um, but his actions is that and that of the Democrat Party is certainly not one of supporting Israel. You cannot continue to fund these colleges and universities and 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 support these college professors um, uh, all around the country that are literally teaching anti-Semitism and celebrating Hamas. It 
if you as a Democrat, if you care at all about Israel, you cannot be continuing to support the open border. One of the reasons why I'm so outraged to Daryl Issa here in San Diego is that, and quite frankly, everybody in America now is living in a border town because they come in across the border and then they're transported elsewhere. But by and large, they still, majority of them stay kind of closer to the border areas. And, um, you know, uh, last month, the San Diego Border Patrol put out a warning and said that they were they were expecting Hamas and Hezbollah fighters to co- be coming across the border. We already know over 60,000 special interest aliens are here from terror infested countries. We know hundreds from the watch list have been found. You cannot be in it be a part of that invasion of terrorists if you care about Jews in this country. You just can't. I can't play all the clips uh, that happened today, but before I play one clip in particular that actually involves Speaker Johnson, because I like some of his comments today, one of the things that struck me was, and I encourage everybody to go and watch some of the footage, is the contrast. The contrast between the pro-quote Palestinians in D.C. for their rally, in which they desecrated monuments rolled up to the White House, rattling it, threatening the president of the United States and throwing red paint around. Compare that to today. Oh, we had all the uh, we had uh, the police in D.C. were beefing up in in advance of violence. Well, don't tell me they expected any violence from the Jews. They had to been expecting violence from the pro-Palestinian Hamas crowd because they're the ones of violence. And to see the what was really a prayer vigil today. Tens of thousands of Jews and rabbis and pro-Israel people out peacefully and in and prayerfully supporting Israel was absolutely a beautiful, beautiful day for me. Your thoughts on that, Sesame Broccolini? Well, it's about time. Honestly, I, I wish that this had happened a lot sooner. I just feel like it's long overdue. Um, And it's nice to see the solidarity right now. And we have to be unequivocal about standing up really for, obviously, for our our, our brothers and sisters in the Jewish community and also standing against terrorism um, Mm -hmm. of all kinds, really, but especially what what we're seeing in the Middle East. Um, And I just I'm just like you said, I'm very, very happy about it. It's good to see a lot of people coming together and show um, and it's good to see all people being active um, this is a good example of what activism mm-hmm. can be and the peaceful right. expression and assembly of people ordered toward what is really just. So this is and the kind he, of thing yeah. the founders envisioned when mm-hmm. they were writing those rights. Like this is a perfect example of how to truly use your, your First Amendment rights and your God-given mm-hmm. rights to stand up for God's people, um, especially in the, in the face of this demonic wave of sympathizing with with. People who are openly genocidal. I don't understand where all the right. sympathy is coming from, but my gosh, right. it's terrifying the number of people, yeah, the is. sheer volume of people who support it, and at the very least turn a blind eye to it and say, what the heck? Yeah, you know, and and the, the free expression of religion today um, was beautiful to me. And that is obviously a part of our First Amendment and the courage, I think, on the part of so many Jews coming out today because they didn't know what they might be facing in the streets, uh, knife attacks, bombs. Yep. Uh, and yet they came and, you know, uh, and and courageously and yet prayerfully. And I just thought it was absolutely beautiful. I do want to play a clip of um 
Speaker Johnson today. There, Van Johnson from CNN was there today and he spoke and he said, you know, I have to speak on behalf of the Jews because they stood up for the civil rights movement. But then he called for ceasing bombing Gaza. Okay. No, not interested in you and your story. I want to play, I pulled this short clip of, of Speaker Johnson because this is what we needed to hear today from every leader, says me. For simply being Jewish and living in Israel. As Prime Minister Netanyahu says so well, this is a fight between good and evil, between light and darkness, between civilization and barbarism. Barbarism. The calls for a ceasefire are outrageous. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we can end it there. He he wraps up at the end uh, with with something. But, you know, I had tipped him for that. I've given him a hard time the past couple of days. Um, but that is exactly the moral clarity we need. Uh, every Republican should have been there striking, which should have been noticed by every Jew in this country. And in Israel is the fact that the president of the United States and the vice president were not there. Do you agree, Sesame? Should they have been there? Oh, are you kidding me? I mean, this is just another way to stab the American people in the back to send a clear message to the to the people that we are not a priority. And I do just mm-hmm. want to on your point of moral clarity, we've seen a whole lot of moral ambiguity coming out of this White House, tiptoeing mm-hmm. around the most important issues, whether it's grooming of children, the trans stuff, genocide and, and ethnic cleansing in Armenia and Azerbaijan and the Middle East. Uh, and of of course, our own disasters here at home, which are not comparable, which are not the same, despite what Chuck Schumer wants the American people to believe, um, because this is orders of magnitude a lot bigger. I mean, this is this is a, a group of people fighting for their life, for their right to exist. Truly, it is. Mm-hmm. And we have to unequivocally yeah. uh, support that and, and stand with them right. and, and signal to the terrorists they can they do not run this game. They do not run the world. They certainly do not run geopolitics. And we won't tolerate it. So, yeah, it'd be nice if the president of the United yeah. States had actually at least made an appearance and said mm-hmm. something. I don't, I don't know. I, he right. probably would have stumbled his way through it anyway. So maybe they decided not to roll him out because it would be bad PR for him. But if that's really the case, how cynical is that? I mean, right. th- these, th- right. there's been a clear attack on the Jewish people. We haven't seen something like this in a single day or really in a single time period like this since the Holocaust. Well, right. Th- well, this is, this is the he... Churchill moment. Step right. up to the table. Yeah. Well, once again, he proved his priority is the Muslims, the Muslim leaders that have pressured the White House and said, we're not going to continue to donate to you and fund you and support you if you don't demand a ceasefire in Israel. I want to play this clip. Uh, you just talked great, brilliantly about the moral clarity. I want to play this clip we pulled from Jamal Bowman to show the lack of moral clarity, the immoral position that not just he expressed, but I think accurately represents the Democrat Party in this issue. Sesame. And I've heard what was said here this evening before, that by me calling for a ceasefire with my colleagues and centering humanity, I am uplifting deeply what it actually means to be Jewish. Because I'm centering the way in which God wants us to live with each other. So I feel grateful to be standing here. Because uh, uh, calling for a ceasefire up, you know, it, it shows what it actually means to be Jewish. Only if your definition of what you want, how you want Jews to live is to continue to be victimized, slaughtered because they're Jews. 
right? That has been their history. The point of the state of Israel is that it was supposed to be never again after the Holocaust. And basically with the Democrat Party, the message they're sending to the Jews is that that's your lot in life to be attacked and you're supposed to just put up with it. That's that's it, isn't it? That's my take on it. That's the message I'm getting from it, from the Democrats. They should be bleeding out Jewish voters. There's no Jewish voter who should be voting Democrat, in my opinion. All right, we're going to take a break. Hour two of tonight's Andrea K. Show is coming up. Our good friend Gary Quackenbush will be here. He always makes me laugh with his quack and the whack, legal stories, and more. So don't go away. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 